you're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Message Number Two. Hello my radio friends, welcome to Give Me the Bible program number 328. I hope you're blessed by what you hear. This program today is the second of a set of three special messages God has for the whole world in the last times of this world's history. To recap, last time I shared with you the first message God once proclaimed to the world. It's found in Revelation 14, verse 7. It says, Fear God, and give him glory, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him who made heaven and the earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. There are four main elements of this initial message. Firstly, there is a call to worship God. And that's because of the increase of secularism and humanism in the world where God is considered by many to be a fantasy. Secondly, there is a call to give God the glory. That includes praise and adoration. Why? Well, it's because God has done everything possible to save mankind from their sins. And that's about Jesus God the Son coming to this sin-drenched world and unselfishly taking our punishment of death on himself to save us. Thirdly, the message is about God's judgment of every individual who's ever lived. Those who've accepted the beautiful sacrifice of Jesus and who've endeavoured to live according to God's will will be judged as not guilty and will inherit eternal life. Those who've disregarded Christ will be judged guilty and will be eternally destroyed, meaning their destruction is permanent. The fourth element of the first message is that people need to recognise and worship God as Creator. We need to recognise that the earth and what's in it did not come about that is, evolve by itself, but that it was designed and made by an eternal, infinite and powerful creator. And now we come to the second message. It's found in Revelation 14.8 and says, A second angel followed them and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. This message is a warning about Babylon and of its collapse. Now, some of you may have heard about ancient Babylon. Well, this ancient kingdom is long done and gone. It is no more. Because the message is to do with end times, it is obvious that the Babylon mentioned is not ancient Babylon. It must have to do with a metaphoric Babylon, some modern world power that exhibits characteristics that parallel those of ancient Babylon. 
So, in order to determine who or what this modern Babylon is, we need to examine the characteristics of ancient Babylon. Well, firstly, it was a powerful kingdom that dominated all other world powers. Second, it was a pagan kingdom, that is, where the people worshipped idols and mystical gods. Sorcery, wizardry and the dark arts were also widely accepted and practised. Thirdly, it was an ostentatious kingdom, boastful and conceited. Fourthly, it was a conquering kingdom that swallowed up smaller, less powerful kingdoms and took the people to be slaves of their overlords. Many would add to that that the Babylons were cruel and did not take no for an answer. Fifthly, it was a rich kingdom. Gold was plentiful and its inhabitants enjoyed a high standard of living. It was a centre of trade and luxury goods were imported. The kingdom was proud and arrogant. Sixthly, because of its fortifications, the main city, Babylon, the inhabitants felt quite secure. And I expect that anyone living in ancient Babylon would have thought they had it made. God was not worshipped and was unknown. Jeremiah chapter 50 is a proclamation, a prophecy from God about Babylon, and I'll read some selected verses. This is what the Lord said concerning Babylon and the land of the Babylonians through the prophet Jeremiah. Babylon will be defeated. Its attackers will carry off what they want, declares the Lord. Mother Babylon will be humiliated. The one who bore you will be disgraced. She will become the least of the nations, a wilderness, a desert and parched land. Because of the Lord's anger, no one will live there. She will be reduced to a total ruin. All who pass by Babylon will be shocked. They will gasp at all her injuries. Her towers have collapsed. Her walls are destroyed. This is the Lord's retribution. Now pay her back. Do to her what she's done to others. I'm going to punish the king of Babylon and his land, just as I punished the king of Assyria. How the hammer of the whole earth has been broken and shattered into pieces. How Babylon has become a wasteland among the nations. You set a trap for others, Babylon, but you yourself were caught in it unaware. You've been found out and captured because you have defied the Lord. Pay her back for her deeds. Do to her what she's done to others. She has acted arrogantly toward the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. I'm against you, you arrogant one, declares the Lord God of heavenly forces. Your day has come, your time of reckoning. The arrogant one will stumble and fall, 
and no one will help her up. The Lord of heavenly forces proclaims, The people of Israel were oppressed together with the people of Judah. Their captors held them and refused to let them go. Yet their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of heavenly forces is his name. He will surely defend their cause and give them rest in the land. A sword against its treasures, so that they are looted. A sword against the water supplies, so that they dry up. It is truly the land of idols, idols about which they have gone utterly mad. In other parts of this prophecy, there are sections that speak about the Israelites who had been captured by the Babylonians returning to their homeland. You know, there are some Protestant groups who claim this currently refers to Jews scattered over the world going back to Israel. And I believe this is a gross misapplication of this prophecy by placing it into the future. And of course, this is the futurist view. The Jews who were captured by the Babylonians did return to their homelands in the Medo-Persian dynasty following the Babylonian dynasty. We know that the wealthy, secure Babylonians were overthrown in 539 BC by the Medo-Persians. Revelation chapter 14 verse 8, which I read to you earlier, the second angel's message, speaks about the collapse of modern spiritual Babylon. But who is this Babylon? Well, it's obviously a rich, influential, ungodly, powerful, false-worshipping, feeling-secure world power as it shares the characteristics of ancient Babylon. Amongst other things in Jeremiah's prophecy, chapter 2, rather, specially stand out. They are that God names Babylon as mother, and secondly, that the kingdom was to be punished because it defied the Lord. So there are two points. It was called mother, and it defied the Lord. So now, what country or people group is large, rich, powerful, and anti-God in our present time? Well, in researching for this program, I've checked various interpretations of who or what Babylon is, and the consensus of agreement is that Babylon is a name God gives to the confederacy of religious powers that opposes God at the end of time. This confederacy will lead people astray and take them captive through her numerous false doctrines. The same judgment pronounced in Jeremiah 51 on ancient Babylon is given to end-time Babylon in Revelation 14, verse 8. And the same call given in Jeremiah 51, verse 6 and 9, to come out of Babylon, is also given in Revelation 18, 1 to 5, which I'll read to you. 
It says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. The second angel's message announces the fall of Babylon. But the loud call to come out of her, my people, is made later. Some of God's people are thus still in Babylon. It is Babylon's system of religious structures aligned against God that is condemned, not the individuals. So what is happening in our times? I'm going to answer this question straight after the break. I know what I 
to share with you the identifiers of modern Babylon. Do you remember that God named ancient Babylon as mother? Instead of referring to Babylon as she, he was more particular and called that kingdom of idolatry, luxury and wickedness mother. In Revelation 12 and 13 are two very interesting chapters that define more closely who or what is behind this confederacy of religious powers in the end of time. Many scholars and most of the Protestant reformers have declared that the leader of this unholy confederacy is the papacy, the Roman Catholic Church leadership. Who is Babylon then? Well, it is a so-called religious confederacy led by the Roman Church and includes apostate Protestants and the systems and organisations supporting and benefiting by the confederacy. One of the main efforts the Roman Church is involved in now, as has been the case in the past, is to weaken Protestantism in order to become the world-dominant religious and political power with the kind of power it had in the Dark and Middle Ages. Back then, anyone who opposed the Church was physically eliminated. Today, the modus operandi is much more subtle. For some years, there has been the cry to Protestant Come home to Rome. Come home to the Mother Church. Mother? Isn't that the same term used to describe ancient Babylon? Hmm. Current membership of the Catholic Church is about 1.2 billion. But given the efforts to woo and weaken Protestantism, and by including Protestants who have abandoned their pure faith, the two groups would amount to be the largest religious alliance on the planet. There is a definite push to achieve unity within Catholicism and Protestantism. Within Protestantism, inroads are being made to water down the importance of doctrines, of obedience, and faithfulness, and an emphasis is being made on unity, experience, feelings, and prosperity. This reminds me of a text in Psalm 127.1, which says, Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labour in vain. True godliness is being purged out of many church groups and being replaced with other stuff. And that's why the second message is a warning of a dramatic collapse of this modern religious empire, Babylon. God will step in because he's had enough 
of false religion and false doctrines that present a message to the people that is out of line with his will. God is not going to let error replace truth forever. If you read the prophecy against Babylon in Jeremiah 50, you'll notice several statement where, statements where the Lord says, I will punish or I will cause such and such to happen. God is not going to sit still twiddling his thumbs forever while error prospers and truth famishes. He will bring about the collapse of the confederacy of false worship. Hence, the second message that we're dealing with today in Revelation 14. But, but you might be wondering, aren't churches the place where the knowledge of God, of salvation, and the way humans should conduct themselves is taught? Well, that's a fair question. But in practice, there is a lot of error mixed with truth. In a previous Give Me the Bible program, I shared with you about several false teachings that are common with many Protestants. They include Sunday worship, eternal punishment in hell, the secret rapture, going to God at the point of death, speaking in tongues as a sign of conversion, acceptance of evolution, plus others. Currently, many people are being swept up in the prosperity gospel teaching, where it's taught that if you give much, you'll receive much. So what is the motive of those involved in the prosperity gospel teaching? Well, I'd like to suggest it's pure, unadulterated selfishness, the desire to get rich. Where is the love of Christ and the love for Christ in that? I know Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive, but the widespread prosperity gospel teachings revolve around being able to receive more than one gives. Within the Catholic Church, there are at least 38 beliefs and practices that are totally unbiblical. Overarching all those is that a person's performance in following all the instructions the church imposes is the key to salvation. The same applies to Muslims and Buddhists. They are works-based religions. But all that's false. Salvation is a free gift from God. We have an example of what's currently happening in religious circles mentioned in Isaiah 1 where God condemns the false worship of the Israelites and he announces in verse 4 The people have forsaken the Lord They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and have turned their backs on him And then later God says and I'm going to use my words here I'm sick of all your meaningless ceremonies and festivals. The second message that's to go out to the world in our time is that God is about to step in and cause all the ungodly religious practices that are so prevalent today to completely collapse. There'll be no safety in numbers 
although I guess the majority feels safe because of the numbers. Instead of being part of Babylon, God admonishes us this way, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. That's from Proverbs 23:26. The traditions of man can never replace genuine religion. The message in Revelation 14:8 is a warning to everyone to let you know that if you're going along with what is popular in the religious world, you with it are doomed to destruction. The warning implies that people might wake up and realise what is wrong and therefore turn back to God. The message of Revelation 14.8 is for you. <laughs> 